Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 4 from the World English Bible. The sons of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reaiah the son of Shobal became the father of Jahath, and Jahath became the father of Ahumei and Lahad. These are the families of the Zorathites. These were the sons of the father of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. The name of their sister was Hazel Elponi. Penuel was the father of Gedor and Ezer, the father of Husha. These are the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the father of Bethlehem. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Naara. Naara bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Temeni, and Haashatari. These were the sons of Naara. The sons of Hela were Zareth, Izhar, and Ethan. Hakaz became the father of Anub, Zebubah, and the families of Aharhel, the son of Haram. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him with sorrow. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my border. May your hand be with me, and may you keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. God granted him that which he requested. Chelub, the brother of Shuha, became the father of Mehir, who was the father of Eshton. Eshton became the father of Beth Rapha, Paseah, and Tahina, the father of Ir Nahash. These are the men of Rekah. The sons of Kanaz, Othniel and Saraiah. The sons of Othniel, Hathath. Maonathai became the father of Orphra, and Saraiah became the father of Joab, the father of Geharashim, for they were craftsmen. The sons of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Iru, Elah, and Naam. The son of Elah, Kenaz. The sons of Jehalalel, Ziph, Ziphah, Tiriah, and Asarel. The sons of Ezra, Jether, Mered, Epher, and Jalon. And she bore Miriam, Shemai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtemoah. His wife, the Jewess, bore Jared, the father of Gedor, Heber, the father of Soko, and Jekuthiel, the father of Zenoah. These are the sons of Bithia, the daughter of Pharaoh, whom Mered took. The sons of the wife of Hodiah, the sister of Naham, were the father of Keilah, the Garmite, and Eshtemoah, the Maacathite. The sons of Shimon, Amnon, Rinah, Ben-Hanan, and Talon. The sons of Ishi, Zoheth, and Ben-Zoheth. The sons of Selah, the sons of Judah. Ur, the father of Lekah, Laada, the father of Merashah, and the families of the house of those who worked fine linen of the house of Ashbia, 
and Jochum, and the men of Koziba, and Joash, and Seraph, who had dominion in Moab, and Jeshubilahem. These records are ancient. These were the potters and the inhabitants of Netaim and Gedera. They lived there with the king for his work. The sons of Simeon, Nemuel, Jamin, Jereb, Zerah, Shaul, Shalom his son, Mibsam his son, and Mishma his son. The sons of Mishma, Hamuel his son, Zachor his son, Shimei his son. Shimei had sixteen sons and six daughters, but his brothers didn't have many children, and all their family didn't multiply like the children of Judah. They lived at Beersheba, Moladah, Hazarshual, at Bilha, at Ezem, at Toled, at Bethuel, at Hormah, at Ziklag, at Beth Markaboth, Hazar Susum, at Beth Biri, and at Shaaraim. These were their cities until David's reign. Their villages were Etam, Ain, Rimon, Token, and Ashen, five cities, and all their villages that were around the same cities to Baal. These were their settlements, and they have their genealogy. Meshobab, Jamlech, Joshah, the son of Amaziah, Joel, Jehu, the son of Joshabiah, the son of Saraiah, the son of Asael, Elioneai, Jeachabah, Jeshohaiah, Asaiah, Adel, Jesimael, Benaniah, and Ziza, the son of Shiphi, the son of Alan, the son of Jediah, the son of Shimri, the son of Shemaiah. These mentioned by name were princes in their families. Their father's houses increased greatly. They went to the entrance of Gedor, even to the east side of the valley, to seek pasture for their flocks. They found fat pasture and good, and the land was wide and quiet and peaceful, for those who lived there before were descended from Ham. These written by name came in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and struck their tents. The Maunim were found there, and they destroyed them utterly to this day, and lived in their place because there was pasture there for their flocks. Some of them, even of the sons of Simeon, five hundred men, went to Mount Seir, having for their captains Pelatiah, Neraiah, and Raphaiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishi. They struck the remnant of the Amalekites who escaped, and have lived there to this day. That is the end of chapter 4. I think it can take at least a couple of readings to get a better sense of the connections being listed throughout First Chronicles chapters 1 through 9. In fact, I think I've read the first four chapters now altogether, at least six and some of them ten times. After reading chapter 4 here, I reviewed about another three more introductions to First Chronicles in video or audio format. The most helpful was James Vernon McGee though even he actually declines reading these sections on the air. This is disappointing to me, and it, but unfortunately it's what I've found with every commentary. They ha- we have all these names, and it is basically being ignored and called boring, but they are part of God's Word. Now, I don't think my salvation depends on me understanding them, but I feel like since they are there, and since all Scripture is profitable, there might be some interesting things to discover if I delve into this with some patience and diligence. 
I will put a link to the James Vernon McGee audio that I listened to. One thing that he points out was that reading 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 can be useful to do even at the beginning before reading the rest of the chapters. These two verses summarize the whole point of the previous chapters and point toward the further content. He also says that these chapters, these first eight basically chapters of 1 Chronicles, hold the distinction of being the longest and most detailed genealogies in the Bible. So for comparison, um, in particular, the genealogy in the first chapter um, is found in Genesis as well, but it doesn't go as far because not as many people were born yet when Genesis was written. But here in 1 Chronicles 1 through 9, it starts in the beginning though it doesn't have the ages as they were given in Genesis, and then focuses on different lineages in different ways to highlight different things. And this can be confusing. It is confusing to me because it requires careful attention to the wording. But at the same time, some of the wording is broader and not clear, like was this person born from this person or are they just descended from them? Are they an actual brother or are they a cousin? I'm still looking for someone who has made some sort of chart of it all, However, that would be quite a large chart. But in my digging to find resources, I did discover a couple of obscure things. There's a thesis by a fellow named James T. Sparks of Australia that was published in 2007 that looks interesting, though it is written in very academic lingo, so it's kind of hard to read. I read several pages of the downloaded PDF and may print it out for further reference. I will link to that. But even the portion I read was treating the scripture here as relevant and reliable uh, for the specific purpose of centering on the temple and the priesthood, obviously something important when understanding the role of Jesus Christ for us. I also found an article on Answers in Genesis that discusses genealogies in the Bible in general. It was somewhat complicated also, but if you want to understand some of the discussion among so-called scholars or experts and why we don't have to tweak the understanding of the Bible to fit other people's worldly historical documents or because of assumptions, I recommend this article. So for this, quote, chapter itself, First Chronicles chapter 4, it is broadly divided into this first section covering descendants of Judah who had more descendants in another section previously, and a section about Simeon's descendants. So the thing to realize about the descendants of Judah here is even though it has listed some descendants in another place, that doesn't mean that each list is completely inclusive of all the descendants. Then also in this chapter, there are some unique descriptions in a few places and two particular short stories of sorts. I also ended up pulling out my NIV inductive study Bible and noticed it has more paragraph structure to the genealogies, making them easier to read. I compared those to my World English Bible and made some boxes around sections and drew some arrows. That did bring some structure that was very helpful to me and made it less just a list of names. So starting at verse 1, this is another descendant list, so vertical, not horizontal, if you will, and it is not listing everyone. It is going down a specific lineage, and this is seen particularly in the second verse where it says this is the Zorathites, but it is helpful to remind ourselves that 
all of these names until we get to the section divider that says the sons of Simeon. All of these people are being recognized as descended from Judah. In verse 5, it brings up this fellow Asher, father of Tekoa, again, who was mentioned in chapter 2, verse 24, as the son born to Hezron after Hezron died, which we knew from chapter 2, verse 21, was after Hezron was 60 years old. I remember hearing Tekoa mentioned as a place, not that it couldn't also be a person. We see that happen as well, places named after people. In fact, the prophet Amos was among the herdsmen of Tekoa. You can see that in Amos 1.1. In 2 Samuel 14.2, Joab calls upon a wise woman from Tekoa to influence King David. Now, all of this seems to be very distinct from the line of David because that was given very clearly through Hezron's son, Ram, in 1 Chronicles 2, verses 10 through 15. But we get more on Asher's lineage here. Right after that, there is Jabez, who is currently famous for his prayer. So he is descended from Judah. The implication is that whatever caused his mother to name him as referencing her pain greatly affected him. He wanted territory to manage in a peaceful, godly way, which is very similar to another way of saying, love your neighbor as yourself per the law in Leviticus 19.18. So I think he was praying for God to help him live according to the law, the law that says love your neighbor. Note that in chapter 2, verse 55, there is also a place called Jabez. Now, since we're going back and forth between different lineages, it can be hard to place the timing of different people in here. So that Jabez could have been named after him. When we get to Othniel in verse 13, it is time to talk about Caleb again. First of all, it says Othniel is the son of Canaz, and in Joshua 15, 17, Canaz is Caleb's brother. The name Canaz however you say it, is first mentioned in Genesis 36, chapter 11, among Esau's descendants. But there is no reason to think it was only an Edomite name. So the question still is, is the Caleb that is talked about in chapter 2, the same Caleb that is talked about here as the son of Jephunneh, and also throughout Judges, Numbers, Joshua? So I'm going to take you through a little bit of my reasoning process as I was evaluating this. I got some insights into this from an article on letstalkscripture.com, and I will link to that. The gist of it is that calling Caleb a Kenizzite, as it does in a couple of places, could very well mean of the tribe of Kenaz. We know that names were duplicated in various ways and naming sons after grandfathers, fathers, brothers, and all of that, so that even when it says Kenaz was Caleb's younger brother, there could have easily been an earlier Kenaz in the lineage for their specific branch, hence Caleb being called a Kenazite. And they tended to change some letters a little bit to add the ite to the end of the word. Another issue can be which generation are we talking about? Uh, Chuck Missler points out from studying the genealogies that while a great number of the fourth generation from those who entered Egypt were among those who were still alive when they left Egypt, some branches had been more prolific than others, so that there were also descendants to the seventh generation. This is one reason there could have been so many of them when they left. In fact, the example of Bezalel from chapter 2, verse 20, who is also mentioned in Exodus 31, 
had to have been from at least the seventh generation when you look at the names that are given. So the remaining question in my mind was, one, was this Caleb a direct son of Hezron? And if so, was he young enough to have not died in the desert? Since Hezron was having children well into his 60s, it seems entirely possible that a young fourth-generation person would have been alive at the same time as someone technically two or three generations past him, but still around the same age. However, in Joshua 14, 7, and a couple of verses thereafter, Caleb tells us exactly how old he was when he went as a spy and when he goes into the promised land. 40 years old and 85 years old, respectively. Also in Joshua chapter 15, verses 13 through 16, it is a story specific to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, even though Kenaz is nowhere mentioned in chapter 2, where it mentions Caleb had the daughter Aksa. For a minute, this had me wondering if calling Caleb the son of Jephunneh was mentioning Jephunneh as another wife of Hezron. There is precedence for this, even in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 6, where it talks about the sons of Naara and the sons of Hela, who were the wives of this fellow Asher, the father of Tekoa. It uses that very specific language that these were the sons of Naara and those were wives. However, when all of the spies are listed in Numbers 13, they are listed as the sons of their fathers, and that's where we hear of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So the most consistent explanation seems to be that son of in chapter 2, verse 18 of First Chronicles means descendant. So there may have been someone in between Caleb and Hezron, that son there means descended from, and that also in chapter 2, verse 42, where it talks about Caleb as the, the brother of Jeremiel, that that could just mean some sort of kin or cousin, and that is consistent with the language. It doesn't say begot or was born to him or what the ages of anyone was. So we've made it halfway through this so-called chapter. In the last part of the section about Judah, we have a reference to one of them having married the daughter of Pharaoh. Since this is the only reference I could find to the man with the name Ezra, Merod's father, it seems impossible to figure out exactly which generation this was, although it is David Gusick's educated opinion that this would indicate it was during the time when they lived in Egypt and somehow the connections with Joseph would have made that more natural. But it is certainly why his other wife is particularly specified as being Jewish. And then finally, we have the somewhat neglected younger son of Judah's Canaanite wife, who does apparently have a respectable Jewish lineage per verses 21 and 23, despite his older brother's wickedness. And these men were known for their expertise in various crafts, specifically linen working and pottery are mentioned, and they worked for the king. Curiously, these records are recognized as being ancient in verse 22. That means ancient at the time of writing, and the writing to us seems ancient. I could only find the town of Gadara on the map, and that was in the American Bible Society Atlas on page 35, map 37, showing that this town, Gadara, is roughly 15 miles from Jerusalem, confirming that they would have been serving an Israelite king, a king descended from Israel, probably a Judah, king of Judah. 
In verse 24, it moves on to be talking about the line of Simeon, which doesn't have as many names because despite this fellow Shimei's best efforts, and you see verse 27, of having 16 sons and six daughters, the other families didn't multiply as much. It does list several towns and villages here, and then specifically lists names of princes or leaders in verses 34 through 37. It is these men that this last short story is about. It says they took over some territory for good pasture that had previously been lived in by descendants of Ham. It seems to be worded that these descendants of Ham were not there at the time. And I guess since they're saying they're descendants of Ham, they may not have been specifically Canaanites. And this was in the days of Hezekiah. So hundreds of years after they initially entered the land. I have to admit that this name, Meunim, made me think of leprechauns. I tried looking up the name, but the only other possible cross-reference could have been 2 Chronicles 26.7, and there there's a spelling variation, and it's listing groups of those that Uzziah was fighting. The Amalekites, on the other hand, who are mentioned as having been wiped out more thoroughly, have been around since Genesis chapter 14, verse 7. And they are among those slaughtered by the kings who captured Lot, Abraham's nephew. Of course, there is the famous battle in Exodus 17, where Moses had to keep his hands raised while Joshua fought the Amalekites. Amalek was descended from Esau. Balaam prophesied against Amalek as a people in Numbers 24:20, And Amalek, the Amalekites, raided Israel in Judges 3 and 6. You will recall that Saul was supposed to attack and totally destroy the Amalekites in 1 Samuel 15.3, but didn't, so got in really big trouble, as spoken of in 1 Samuel 28.18. And the Amalekites are the ones who took David's family from Ziklag in 1 Samuel 30, so driving out Amalekites is still keeping with the directives of God in taking the land. As far as them going to Mount Seir, that was at least originally Edomite territory, although I'm not really clear about whether or not it was at this point. But recall that when Israel first came into the land, they were to leave the Edomites alone. But here it does not say that they were battling against Edomites. And that is where chapter four ends. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 